while. All right, Before text we... messages. Oh, yeah. no, you I, got a text message. I got a text, me- I got a text message, actually. Yes. Um, well, this actually relates to when I was leading the show uh-huh. on Monday. Uh-huh. And this we, is really fun. Well, we talked about the protesting that had happened over the weekend yes. in a number of the capital cities in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, me and Darren shared our opinions on what they were were, were doing. Um, and ultimately, I think we came to a conclusion that it was it was it was kind of ironic um, that they were protesting lockdown, doing something that would extend the lockdown, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that, w- that was our take. Um, but this is uh, the text message I've received here. Dear Lawson, I love your upbeat personality um, and you really make me laugh. But, okay, so let's, just, let's, yeah, let's stop there. Give him, it started with a compliment. This is a very Paul-esque um, critique. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's I cool. I like that. It's cool. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, here we go. So... Um, but you put down the protesters of COVID lockdowns. I'm not condoning violence um, and bad behavior, but people are frustrated. And some of us have a real fear that our freedom of speech and choice is being eroded. We don't just trust everything the government says. And there are real concerns. The COVID crisis is being used as a cover to enforce control and strip, a- strip away people's freedoms. We should not be mocked. Uh, because we don't believe the narrative being fed to us by the media. God gave us our minds to think with um, when not designed to be robots. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of things there I agree I, with. Same. A lot of things like, I agree I, with. I, I pretty much fully agree with the sentiment of what he's saying there. Like the importance of freedom of speech, um, you know, the the relative distrust that we should have for our government in terms of when they are yes, trying to absolutely. enforce, um, you know, enforce measures on our freedom. We should like, question everything. I, I, That's I, what a sensible person does. 100%. I, I love the point here. God gave us minds to think um, with we were not designed to be autonomous. I think even our, uh, to be robots, um, I think even our want to protest, to stand up is something like, given by God to us. We have this innate sense in, within it ourselves. Like, we don't like oppression. We hate being controlled. The question is, was the protest the right way of going about this, it? And this is the thing, because he says here at the beginning, I'm not condoning violence and bad behaviour. Yes. That's exactly what we were critiquing with the protests. Okay. Because a number of protests happened last year. Um a number of protests happened last year about different topics, but within COVID restrictions, um, all different kinds of things. And it's like, are we pro, are we saying protesting is bad? No, protesting is a positive thing. In fact, I am a Protestant Christian. Yes, you're a very protester by, na- by I, nature. By nature, I'm a Protestant Christian. I'm a Seventh day, we actually talked about this yesterday. Is Seventh day Adventism Protestant? And the answer is yes. We are Protestant Christians. I believe in the power of protesting. I believe that it's something important when we see injustice. But at the same time, the exact the exact problem was the thing that you're saying you don't condone. That and that's what kind of what we were going going at. So yeah, I, I just wanted to clear up any confusion with that. Also, just want to read a quick Bible verse. Um, you know, just to just to really um, solidify my position. Uh, in First Timothy chapter two, it says, therefore I exalt, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And the reality is here is like Paul is saying, um, to, writing to Timothy, like, man, prayer and supplications are needed for our leaders in these positions who have the potential to completely take away our rights and freedoms, which was going because a on. lot of a lot of what is going on is absolutely and completely ridiculous. Yeah, as far as you know, the lockdowns go. There's some of it that makes sense, and there's some of it that's just completely contradictory. Mm-hmm. 
People are confused by it. People mm. don't know what they can and can't do. Don't get me started. But yeah, we need to make prayer and supplication for these people um, so that we may live quiet yes. and peaceable so lives. So they do a good job of yeah. whatever procedure they're going to use but, to deal with. And okay. the point is, is like as you mentioned before, this God aspect, this freedom aspect, um, and this spiritual freedom aspect of these protests and everything. Okay, well, like, fantastic. I believe in the same thing, but let's not resort to bad behavior. That's the problem. Exactly. There's never an excuse for bad behavior anywhere at any time. Mm. All right. Um, going on to text messages here. Da, 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 da. Amazing. All the largest companies are getting together to fix the problem, considering they caused the problem to start with. <laughs> yeah, but this, this is... Ah, okay, <laughs> but let me keep reading. Point. Let me keep reading. Let's consider the bigger picture, what's behind the scenes. The papacy is the biggest voice behind climate change, <laughs> which is one of the pieces that will... That one of the pieces that will bring in the last days. Oof. Okay, fair enough. It's a text message. It's a fair enough observation. Um, it, it's true. Mm. That does not mean that we do not have a responsibility for our yep. planet. And and, and this, this, again, this doesn't come from a religious aspect either, this this change in Portland. They're not saying, like, okay, everyone... No, not at all. They, they're, they're not saying... They're not even putting out a public health order for everyone to stay inside or something like that. It's, like, literally, like, okay, let's do away with non Usable plastic or non recyclable and reusable and renewable plastics. Like, that's what they're saying. So. Anyway, Colorado Anti Discrimination Act. It will be interesting to see what simple ways God will use to fix the problem. He does allow suffering so people will realize their need of Him. Surely, much more of the world must be on their knees praying for salvation by now. And we certainly hope that that is the case. Uh, we are certainly getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. Um, on retirement, there's no retirement for us until the Lord returns. Amen. Praise God. Um, women, you, okay, so this is obviously coming from a man. I'm thinking women will help you not to retire as you will get a long <laughs> list of all the jobs you haven't done at home <laughs> during your working life. Man, these sound like people in lovely marriages. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just joking. I have an awesome marriage. <laughs> but I have a list of things that need to take place around the house. Yeah, fairly extensive. Well, and yeah. that's and that's your responsibility. You took yes. you took that on when you said absolutely, I do. <laughs> absolutely. It's part of the vow somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's in, <laughs> in the fine print. In the fine print. <laughs> I'm doing a wedding this Sunday. Maybe I should include it in. Okay. <laughs> yes. Congratulations on the arrival of your grandchild. Thank you. That's very nice. Mm. Uh, can't wait till tonight's the end presentation. So the end tonight. Uh, the in the end of time, I'm talking about probably one of the most fundamental questions there is to uh, the end of time, and that is why do bad things happen to good people? You know, mm. when you look at all of the great times of trouble that have happened down through the history of our world, the ones that are recorded in the Bible are the ones that affect God's people. Yeah. Why wow. does God allow that if he loves his people? I mean, mm. we love our kids and we try and protect them from bad things. Yeah. Why doesn't God do that? Mm. If you don't have an answer to that question, you don't have a, re- you don't have a reason to be a Christian. Plain mm. and simple. Uh, I couldn't agree with the te- more with the text Lawson received. Protestant Christians don't forget our history and what it cost for us. What it costs for us for the privilege. Mm. There you go. I got a text message as well. Just okay. on that. Yeah, yep. from shout out Brett. As much as we should not sit quietly quietly by uh, when the government does not do things that align with our faith, protests like the ones on the weekend and others is not the biblical way of protesting. No, and as that's Lawson right. said yesterday, we protest by doing what is right regardless of the laws to say otherwise. 
Yes, do it right because it's right. That's a good text right there. I really appreciate that because this is the thing that this is the problem that we often get. I think we get drawn into as Christians when there is a an issue that we get passionate about. We get drawn into the worldly approach to dealing with that issue, Mm -hmm. and the worldly approach to dealing with that issue resorts to violence. Mm And we should never, ever resort to violence or rioting. Or There is never, ever, ever an excuse for that. Now, mm-hmm. I condemned this, you know, soundly and roundly last year during the BLM riots. Yeah. And I will condemn it again now with, you know, what's happening with COVID and so forth, even though I agree that we should have liberties and freedoms and particularly freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and so forth. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. That's text messages. Let's get into a Bible study. Uh Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Let's read this passage. Let me just flick over there. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. We're going to be right in the the Beatitudes here. We are. We are. Mm, Nice. I'm keen. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. And before we go there. Just as he he takes a breath breath to read before we go there. Let's think about media for a moment. Let's think about media. Let's think about movies and TV shows. Oh, but you meant like Medo-Persia. Not that media. Not that media. Not media in Persia. But (laughs) media as in media that we consume. TV shows, movies, Uh all that kind of stuff. And think about the, the kinds of characters that become superheroes, Mm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, how many of them would be described as being gentle people? Um, few, I would say. Name me a superhero who is super gentle. Oh, um, there's that. Think hard. Think hard. There's that one chick from the Guardian of the Galaxy who knows what people are thinking and feeling by touching them or something. Yeah, <laughs> she's not. Yeah. She's not I'm not convinced that she's gentle. <laughs> But I understand the sentiment, you know, we look at the phenomena of like the Marvel, you know, movie universe uh-huh, and all uh-huh. that stuff that's become a worldwide thing. And it's like the the main list of characters like Captain America and Tony Stark and everything. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, even, even of course, you even, even, you know, Captain America is supposed to be the, the, the kind of righteous guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's supposed to be righteous, you know. He's not gentle. Yeah. And then you've got Captain... Uh, he's a warrior. And what, what's that guy's name? You've got... Um, Tony Stark, who is like the single most arrogant, like uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, self-serving, and we turn all of these guys into our heroes. Mm. When was the last time that you saw a movie that was based that 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 gentleness was the primary characteristic that made the person great? Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> <laughs> Okay, you could probably argue that to a certain extent. It certainly wasn't a gentle environment, though, was it? Uh, oh, it's, no. You, you, know, you, well, know, you know, you might have a point there. I have a, I 100% have a point. We're talking that about, movie did not come into my mind. Yeah, we're talking about... Because in my mind, that is not a gentle movie. Well, this is the thing. Okay, but what makes it entertaining? Uh, is, it, is, it the, is it the, you know, for you and I, we're guys, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know that, you know, there's probably a lot of girls out there that would see that movie differently from us. But as guys, what makes that, so, that movie so entertaining? If well, you took the violence out of the movie... Yeah. Would it be as entertaining? Well, this is the thing. It's like no movie is entertaining without tension. I mean, there's a lot of tension and there's a lot going on 
before the guy goes to war, let's say the movie covered his life story up until he went to war and there was just, you know, the lines, came, the, the, the words came up on the screen that Des Dos went to war and got a, uh, a medal. Would the movie have the same appeal? <laughs> um, probably not. No. I'll be honest. Because, <laughs> because we're guys and gentleness just doesn't come into it. Yeah. We, we were hanging out for the war scene where things were, people were getting blown up, right? I don't know. You can speak for yourself on that one. I, 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 I thought, all I'm speaking to you good. as well. No, I feel like, for, okay, yes, I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy it, but it was really good. Like, yes. <laughs> You've given a really good example, though. I'm just super and, impressed and Because with that even one. when... Because the guy is gentle. There's no question gentle, about that. And this is the thing, in, in spite of the circumstances... And it's the contrast it creates. Yeah. and But he is a conscientious objector, saving people, you know, yeah. so humble... I love that part where he's like, oh, do you want some food? And he's like, no, I'm a vegetarian. That's like my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I guess the other, the other aspect of it, you know, that I liked is, you know, where he does that little bit of a speech and it's kind of the message of the movie where he does yeah. the speech and talks about how the world's gone crazy and the yeah. world's killing each other. I don't remember. I can't quote it. But basically the world's gone crazy in the world and he wants to bring one little bit of sanity into the world. And one little bit of uh, one little bit of peace, and he wants to save some lives rather than taking some lives. Mm. You know, that's sort of the, the nutshell of, of where he, he makes that little speech. It's very, very, you know, it creates that massive contrast. Mm. It creates a massive contrast between the absolute violent carnage of warfare and a guy who is actually gentle. Mm. And the question is, why is he gentle? I mean, does he get that genetically? Was his father a gentle person? No, like if you watch the movie. Where does he get that gentleness from? He gets that gentleness from his relationship with God. Mm. His faith in God. Yeah, 100%. Wow, great example. (laughs) Just when I'm trying to make this massive point and Lawson pulls one out of the hat that's just like completely opposite to everything I was thinking. You're like, oh, I'm going to disagree with the the Bible study. I'm still going to disagree with with the Bible study because the first verse of the Bible study... The first verse that we're told to read is Matthew 5 and verse 5. Okay. So I'm going to disagree. All right. Yeah, go. You want me to read it? Mm-hmm. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Okay, I'm going to disagree with your translation. Oh, oh yeah. This is wrong. It's just those who are meek, right? Okay, let In me read religion. it. Let me tell you from the King James Version. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what this does is it perpetuates a stereotype Ooh. that is untrue. Which we, we're against stereotypes. Absolutely. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, yes, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh-huh. Meekness, humility, and gentleness are not the same thing. Mm. They are all very, very different from each other. Yes. If you think about who the Bible says was the meekest man on all the earth, it was Moses. Uh-huh. And he wasn't gentle no. all the time. No, he wasn't even gentle a lot of the time. Like, he was a gnarly dude. Like, he even, was. Even in his most righteous space, you know, he's like a hectic guy. Okay, so let's, 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 let's think about this for a moment then with uh, what the Bible says here. Blessed are the meek. Meek is not weak. It is mm. not necessarily gentle, even though, even though, yes, gentleness is good, and we're talking about gentleness today, and we're going to highlight the necessity of gentleness. Okay, so what is meekness then? Meekness is power mm. under control. Yeah, well. You cannot be a meek person unless you are a powerful person. You cannot be an incredibly meek person unless you are an incredibly powerful person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And Moses was an incredibly powerful person. He had ultimate sway over, you know, like one and a half million people. Yeah. That's a lot of power. You and I don't have that kind of power. And as such, when he kept that power under control, that means that he was mm. meek. It does not make him weak. It makes him powerful. Mm. But there is a relationship between meekness and gentleness. So I'm going to I'm going to question the Bible study and say, why did you give us this verse when you're going to talk about gentleness? Why did you start with meekness? That's got nothing to do with gentleness. Mm. But maybe there's a connection. Let's go to First Peter three and verse four, and I will fact check you from KJV. <laughs> fact, fact check me. Okay, Classic. Ooh, okay, First Peter apart. three and verse four. I'd be there except for my Bible just fell apart. <laughs> There's an old saying that says that a Bible is falling apart. It usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's a truthism right there. First mm. uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Go for it. The Bible says, You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Okay. Uh-huh. Back checking coming through here. Uh-huh. I'm going to destroy that translation. Okay, verse 4. But let it be with the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, Mm. which is in the sight of God of great price. So mine talks about meekness and quietness. What does yours talk about? Um, uh, uh, Gentle and quiet. Gentle and quiet. They're not the same things. Mm-hmm. And when we do away with the word meek, and to be honest, this is a word that has vanished from the English language, which is why your translation doesn't use it. Yeah. But we actually miss something because we don't have a replacement word for that and we throw gentleness in there. Gentleness is not a replacement for the word meek. It does not describe a meek person. You know, as you say, no, Moses was a gnarly character. Yeah. But he was the meekest man who ever lived. Mm. And so meekness... Does it have a relationship to gentleness? Yes. Does it have a relationship to quietness? Yes. It has a relationship to all of those things, but what it is is that is power under control. Mm. Because, like, self-control creates responsible people. That's right. And responsible people will be that when it says inherits the earth, you know, made to be leaders and made to be overseers, like God wants to create strong and responsible characters out of us, which I think can really only take place when we are put in responsibilities where we have power to exercise and self-control to exercise. Yes. No, it's not about being a yeah, totally like depraved, powerless person and being like, oh, well, you know, I'll follow God. Like that's not, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's about, yeah, having the ability to choose against God yet submitting to him. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so let's talk about meekness, gentleness, and humility, and Mm -hmm. why these things actually have a relationship to each other. We talk about Moses being the example of the meekest man who ever lived, Mm -hmm. uh, whereas Moses was quite a gnarly character. We talk about Jesus, who is God. Obviously, he's going to be meek. Uh, yet we see him cleansing the temple. So over the last couple of days, we've been talking about how, although Jesus tells us to come to him, you know, and he will take your burdens, you know, he is gentle and lowly of heart, all these different things. um, The previous couple of chapters are all about him, like getting into fights with 
like not physical fights, but having contentions with the religious leaders, with the other disciples of, you know, uh, theological differences with the other disciples, like all these different things. He's always attracting positive attention, but at the same time, negative attention. Like he's not uncontentious in the way. No, not at all. And even directly before he says, like, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. He's like, woe to Chorazin and Bethsaida for you guys will be destroyed. And it'll be worse for you than in Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, like this guy is like contentious as yet, you know, meek. He is self-controlled. Yeah. And when he says these things, it is in a self-controlled way. Yeah, and he says and it because it's true. That's right. And because he loves these people and he wants to mm. give them a warning. Mm. And so he's not somebody who's just losing self-control yeah. and going nuts. Mm. He's somebody who has the ultimate self-control, and that's what meekness is. Mm. Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, and let's read what the Bible says over here. And while Lawson's turning there, when we put these together, let's, let's think about this for a moment, because when we put these together... Self-control, power under control. So when you've got lots of power but you control that power, then a person with a lot of power has the opportunity to be violent. Yes. And so gentleness is the opposite of violence. And so meekness, gentleness is then going to be the product of meekness. Mm. So if you've got power, you control that power, you become gentle. Mm. That's the connection between the two. Mm. Now, the connection, of course, with humility is that somebody who has a lot of power is somebody who can easily exercise a lot of pride. Yes. Because they can. sure. Because Mm. they have the power. But somebody who is meek has that power, has it under control, and has then the ability to be humble. Mm. You know, I really respect powerful people who exercise Humility, And, you know, even as a kid growing up, there are individuals that I remember with great fondness and affection, not because I had much to do with them, but because of the humility that they had. Mm. You know, I'm a teenage kid walking down the street of Hobart. I'm maybe 13, 14 years old, and there's a millionaire walking on the other side of the street, sees me from the other side of the street, comes across and has a chat with me. Yeah, wow. Belongs to a church, not my church, but a church that, you know, where I know a whole bunch of people. And so there's a bit of a connection there. Um, you know, it's not somebody that is unknown to the family, but certainly not somebody that we would call, you know, a family friend as such. Mm. But that kind of humility from somebody who has that kind of power, it has an impact on a person. It's like, okay, that's Christianity in action. Mm. It's so surprising. Like it, it is. And, it, and it's like, and, and, and at the end of the day, it makes you as the person re- receiving hospitality from a humble person, like, just so stoked like it does you get like a rush of like it's like a thrill it's like whoa i'm talking to some legit person like you know and obviously people can do that in a self-serving way and celebrities have definitely done that before where yeah this is not not a a a hugging baby's photo yeah no it's just that you generally uh this guy had nothing to gain Mm. from what he did except he wanted to encourage some young kid yeah wow and he had the opportunity, he took that opportunity, and I've never forgotten to this day. Yeah. And isn't it just, like, so positively affecting for you, like, in terms of an example, in terms of an encouragement? Um, yeah, when people who are really, in, in you know, uh, in the world standings too big for you mm-hmm. come down to your level. 
this is like more than 35 years ago and I remember it to this point. Yeah, wow. But it had, the, the interesting thing was the impact that it had on me from a spiritual perspective because I knew that this was um, a church-going godly man and the reason that he took an interest in me was because he took an interest in my spirituality and my walk with God. Mm. That was the big impact that it had on me. Yeah, wow. And that's, you know, that's humility and power. That's the power of humility right there. Mm. Okay, did we read this verse already? No, we have Let's not. 5715, was it? Yes. Uh, the Bible says, The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place, and those who whose spirits are contrite and humble, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble, and I receive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Okay, so the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Mm. I mean, I talk about a millionaire crossing the street when I was a kid uh, to have a chat, but this is the high and lofty one who's wow. inhabit in, and whose name is holy, mm. lives in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Mm. You know, and this is and this is Jesus. You know, when Jesus was here on this earth, that's exactly who he was. Yeah, you know, he was the he's the ruler and creator of the universe. You want to have pride, you want to have power, you want to keep power under control. That's meekness, right there. Yeah, wow. And you know, it humbled himself. You know, even unto the death of the cross. Like, wow. Yes. Mm. Okay, so when we think about Jesus and we think about Moses, mm. when Moses proclaimed the law and the Ten Commandments. He stands on Mount Sinai and proclaims it to the people. It gives him an elevated platform from which to speak. Mm. Uh, and we can you know, read about that in the Bible. And then having done that, Moses, well, God, through Moses, provides the people with miracle food, mm. uh, manna. Um, and so you've got an interesting thing here. So think about this. When Jesus proclaimed his manifesto, Matthew chapter 5, you know, blessed are the meek, etc., etc., etc. Where was he standing? Uh, he was standing on the mount. He was standing on a mountain. Yeah. And when the people got hungry, what did he do? He provided them yep. with got miracle food. food. Yep. <laughs> so you start to see here that Moses is a type, mm. a symbol of Jesus Christ, both of them presenting the law both of them presenting it from a mountain, both of them presenting miracle food and providing for the needs of the people that they are uh, ministering to. Mm. Okay, so let's read it in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Numbers 12 and verse 3, as I get it in the Bible oh. here, the Bible says in Numbers 12 and verse 3, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Uh, fact checker, my Bible <laughs> says meek. It says meek, yes. It's meek. We need to revive this word. We need to bring it back into mm. the English language. It has disappeared and it is so full of meaning. Mm. Let's listen to Graham Kendrick right now with meekness and majesty. Powerful. Yeah. This is a, this is a song right here to bring this... To bring this, uh, to bring this word back in, and and to revive it, and remember what it means. It is power under control. You cannot be a meek person unless you are a powerful person. Mm. Graham Kendrick, meekness and majesty. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now we are going to have question of the day. 
Okay, our question of the day is simply this. Does Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9 talk about eternal hellfire? It's a really good question. Let me read to you what the Bible says. And it's important to read what the Bible says and not to read what the Bible doesn't say. So often we read what the Bible doesn't say rather than what it actually does say. Okay, verse 9 it says, Now he that now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So the Bible is very, very clear here. And, of course, in context, we're going to find that this is talking about Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that Jesus ascended into heaven and that before he ascended into heaven, he descended down into the lower parts of the earth. We're clear on that so far. Mm. Now, a lot of people will read this passage and go, well, there you go. You know, Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. That means that he must have gone down to hellfire to preach to the spirits in prison, of which, of course, is another passage, and maybe we'll deal with that one in another question time when we have more time. Uh, but that's not what it says right here. This passage, of course, this verse is in context of the previous verse. In fact, you'll find it uh, in parentheses in context of the previous verse, where the Bible says, wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led a multitude of captives and gave gifts unto men. So the Bible is talking about the ascension of Jesus Christ. That's mm. our context. And, of course, Jesus ascended, and, of course, the Bible speaks here about him leading a multitude of men. You will remember that when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says in Matthew's account that there was an earthquake, the rocks were broken, some graves were opened, a bunch of people were resurrected and went into the city and preached about Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, what's interesting is we never hear about those people again. Now, you would think that these would be the most, the single most famous people on the planet because they would go out and become the greatest missionaries for the rest of their lives, have another life, and go out and become great missionaries, but they just vanish. Mm. They go into the city, they preach, and then they're gone. And the question is, when do they go and where do they go? Well, what we find is that when Jesus is resurrected on Sunday morning, he meets Mary and says, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended to my father. Mm. Sunday evening, he says, touch me and feel me because I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit. And so somewhere between when he meets Mary on Sunday morning and the disciples on Sunday evening, he ascends into heaven. Where do those people go? Well, the Bible says that when he went into heaven, he led a multitude of captives with him. And so now we know what happened to all of those people who were resurrected at that particular time. Okay, so we understand Jesus' ascension. We all get Jesus' ascension. Well, the Bible says that before he ascended, he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And there are a bunch of people that assume that if he has descended into the lower parts of the earth, then that must be hellfire. But that is an assumption that's not carried out in the text. Where mm. did Jesus go when he died? Uh, into a grave, into right? Into a tomb. Into yeah. a tomb. Is that under the ground? No. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. It's in a cave. Yeah, it's under well, the ground. In, yeah. He descends into the lower parts of the earth. He goes under the ground. It's, it's really that simple. <laughs> yeah. It is really that simple. When you are dead and buried, you have descended into the lower parts of the earth. Nearly everybody is buried at some particular point. They have descended into the lower parts of the earth. They're not standing on the surface anymore. They're six feet under... And pushing up daisies, we might say. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.